Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers. Not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the complete manager makeover. Awesome. So today we are going to talk about setting priorities and delegating duties. We uh, just finished up our module on evaluations and training. We will circle back to those because whether we talk about those things time and time again, there's always something new to learn. And I really enjoy this particular topic because you know, setting priorities and delegating duties is something I was asked to talk about probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, and I'd like to share a little bit about myself, my journey so far, because I'd like to demonstrate the importance of what I'm going to share with you today and the integral part it played in, in my career so far. So we are gonna have an opportunity to engage a little bit. So go ahead and queue up this poll everywhere on a second screen on your phones. This, this, this is a session you'll be able to use your phones uh, so we can engage and interact a little bit uh, live on screen. And so uh, this will be an opportunity for us to kind of share and curate some of the information. Give me a thumbs up uh, when you've got that in there so that we can move the screen forward. And for, for those of you, uh, you know, who are wondering, gee, I wonder what that 504 is for? It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's simply a random number that was given to me uh, by the presentation software. So, uh, but I know sometimes people get curious. So go ahead and uh, put that, I'll put that in the chat as well. So you've got that. And we can move ahead so like I mentioned you know uh, allow me to take a little bit of a trip down down memory lane I first compiled this material uh, from my career experiences as I was in my office looking out of the coveted corner office window never mind that it's the backyard view of my neighbor's house right now um, but I sat to write down this content several years ago and I remember thinking you know what were the things that I did along the way that kind of resulted in what I'd been able to accomplish to that point and some of those things had become so second nature and we'll talk about that in a future uh, session the, the knowledge that I had to really sit down and think about what were the processes, the procedures, and the strategies I put in place. I knew they had to be, you know, setting priorities and delegating enough to accomplish what I had so far. But what were the real game changers in my career? So as I took that trip down memory lane, some very clear things came to mind. You see, I was a legal secretary out of high school, started my hospitality career late, uh, later in life, started actually as a front desk clerk at a Marriott in Orlando. 
I quickly transitioned into human resources and journeyed through my career, reaching a corporate role within 10 years in that organization. Now, that organization had an infrastructure to allow for succession planning and to allow for self-development and self-improvement. So that's a critical component of internal cultures and organizational cultures. But as acquisitions and mergers were constant in hospitality during the early 2000s, um, I continued my HR career and in various roles. Eventually, some of you know this, at the age of 32, I was the HR director at the Fontainebleau in, my, in Miami Beach. Now, um, I ended my hospitality career as a VP of HR and hotel management about 11 years ago when I launched HBL Resources. But as you can see, in a pretty short span, there was a lot of things that kind of took place. And like I said, I launched HBL Resources, the firm that offers the CMM training. Um, and I looked at my goals and my journeys and, and they continue towards you know the future as well, still putting into place the same things I'm gonna share with you today. Um, and some of you know, you know my, my most recent accomplishment, finishing a book during COVID, right? I know a lot of us has ha have had lots of achievements during kind of that, that docile time in our lives, but there were some clear things that I did during that um, journey as well to allow me to to achieve that and mastering the importance of what I'm going to share with you um, is why I share those things so again get engaged with me that link is in the chat I really do like in you know this to an opportunity to interact but when you think about the word priorities what are your priorities now you may say uh, that they are different depending on the roles that you play, and we'll definitely talk about that. But what is your most important priority right now? Go ahead and, if you don't have a piece of paper or something to take down notes, go ahead and grab something right now and list what are your important priorities right now. And that could be um, as a as a as a uh, as a mom, as a dad, as a worker. Um, as someone who may be involved in their local church, we play a, a lots of different roles and your priorities will be different based on those roles that we play. And second, if those are your priorities right now, why do you want to make these your priorities? What are the benefits? So for example, you know, as, as journeying through authorship, my priority was writing this book and getting it done within that timeline and that time, time frame. But there were clear benefits to that. Maybe it was, you know, building my biography, it was becoming a subject matter expert, it was adding author to the list of things, right? What are the benefits? What do you achieve by these priorities? If you don't know the why, you're less inclined to really pursue your priorities. And then finally, what do you think your life would be like if you succeeded in accomplishing these priorities? Now, like I mentioned, it's not just the you know, company we work for and the business priorities, they're personal priorities as well. And maybe that priority in life is you know, being all that you can for your spouse, significant other, your children. And why do you wanna make that a priority? Because you really wanna invest in their 
in, in your future with them in the relationship, the most important relationships that we have. And what does that life look, that, look like if you succeed in those accomplishments and accomplishing those priorities. Well, you've got stronger relationships with your family, uh, you know, maybe when you're not here any longer, which is inevitable, right? They speak well about us and we really have made an impact. But in addition to that and those things that uh, we wanna uh, achieve, what do you think your life would be? If you are focusing on them, would your calendar and your checkbook prove it? If you're saying that these are things that are a priority, then how you spend your time and how you spend your financial resources would prove that that's the case. Let's go back to an example of a career development uh, priority. If you're willing to reach them, what are you really willing to do to reach them, right? Maybe it's segmenting an hour or two for ongoing education. Uh, if, if you know what they are and you know what you know, why you want them, then why aren't you focusing on them? These are some of the ways that we really understand and know how we are focusing on our priorities. So again, what are your most important priorities now? Why do you want to make these your priority, whether personal or professional? What do you think your life would be like if you succeeded in accomplishing them? And what are you really willing to do to reach them? What time and financial resources are you willing to invest to make sure your priorities are achieved? So if you know what they are and you know why you want them, why don't you think you're focusing on them if your checkbook and your calendar isn't showing it? And I'll tell you a little bit, in a, you know, a little bit more in a little while. So if you're focusing on them, your calendar and your checkbook would prove it. So I want to introduce a concept to you and maybe you've heard of this and maybe you haven't. I'd like to introduce you to the concept of first things first. First things first is actually a concept that has been around for quite some time. You may know already from me that I'm a huge advocate of Stephen Covey. I always have his books within uh, an arm's distance. And so if you are familiar with the first things first concept, I want you to go ahead and this is an opportunity to engage with me in the chat. Hopefully it'll get working here live on screen. Have you ever heard of the first things first concept? Is that something that you're familiar with, you should see on your screen here, the, uh, the poll everywhere should have changed by now so that you can answer that question. Have you ever heard of the first things first? And if it's not showing up for you there, go ahead and, you know, do a refresh. You know how that works. Um, so some of you have heard of it. Some of you have not, and some aren't sure. Maybe I have, and maybe I forgot. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the first things first concept. First things first says, get there. Get to the first and most important things. Don't let roadblocks knock you off course. Stay focused. And I like to call it a little bit of a habit of willpower, which is the strength to say yes to the most important things, but also the habit of won't power. And sometimes that's even harder because that's the strength to say no to less important things and to peer pressure that says, hey, come, let's do this instead. 
But I'll tell you a little bit of a story. Some of you may have heard this story before, and it's a, the illustration of the big rocks. One day this expert was speaking to a big group of business students, and to drive the point home, he illustrated this, and I'm gonna share that with you, and hopefully, you know, you'll never forget it, as I'm sure some of those students didn't. And as I share it with you, you know, think about it. If you've heard it before, allow it to be a gentle reminder. If this is the first time you're hearing it, then I'm glad. Maybe it's something that you'll make sure to put in your repertoire, if you will, uh, to ensure that you're focusing on setting your priorities with the big rocks. So as this, you know, professor stood in front of this group of you know, high-powered, overachieving students, he said, okay, time for a quiz. Then he pulled out a one gallon wide mouth mason jar and he set it on the table in front of him. And he started to put these huge fist sized rocks in there and he carefully placed them in one, of, one at a time into the jar. And then he you know, filled it as much as it could go and no more rocks could fit inside. And he looked at his students and he said, is this jar full? And everyone in the class said, oh, yes, it's, it's full. It's definitely full. And he waited for everybody to answer. And then he said, really? He reached underneath the table and pulled out a bucket of gravel. And then he dumped some gravel in and shook the jar, causing all the pieces of the gravel to work themselves down into the spaces of the jar around the big rocks. And then he smiled and asked the groups one more, is the jar full? Now, by this time, the students are like, mm, I think I'm catching on here. And so a few of them said, probably not. And one table after another, no, I don't think so. And then they answered and the professor said, good. And then he reached under the table and brought out yet another bucket. And this time there was sand and he started dumping the sand in. And sure enough, it went in all around the spaces between the gravel, between the rocks. And he shook it and shook it. And once more, he asked the students is this jar full and some of them were kind of like oh it looks kind of full there to me and all in unison they said no can't can't possibly be and once again he said good and then he reached under that table again he grabbed a bucket of water and began to pour it in to that bucket until it filled in all the way up and then he looked at the class and and asked so what is the point of this illustration and one eager student said, oh, you know, pick me, pick me. And the, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, you can always get some more stuff in there. There's always some more you can fit things in. And the professor looked at him and said, no, actually, that's really not the point. The truth is, the illustration teaches us that if we don't put our big rocks in first, the first things first concept, then you'll never get them in. If we were to take the water and then the sand and then the gravel, we wouldn't get the big rocks in and the big rocks are our most important priorities. They have to be in first. So what are those big rocks in your life? For me, it was writing the book. For me, it was launching my own firm. Uh, what are those big rocks for you? For you, it might be that next promotion or learning a new opportunity, learning a new technology uh, that is uh, something that's important within your industries, a special project that 
you want to accomplish. Maybe it's special time with a loved one that really is the most important. It could be your faith, your education, your finances, a cause, or maybe teaching and mentoring others. Remember, no matter what it is, those priorities, those first things first, have to go in first, or else you'll never get those important things in. So, step one, you've got to identify your big rocks. And again, those are going to be vastly different whether you're talking uh, or writing things down based on your vocation or your industry or your personal life. They're all different for each of us. And then maybe it's, you know, given your strengths, your skills, your expertise, your capabilities, the role that you play, where does the time go? to put those big rocks in. When, you're, when, you, when I mentioned your calendar needs to uh, identify what your big rocks are, when you're looking at your calendar and your schedule, you've gotta lay those big rocks in first, those blocks of time. You know, for me, it's these training calls. That's a big rock for me because it addresses my membership with management. It's the community group that I lead on Wednesday nights for my local church. It's all of those things that matter most and then all the little things kind of go around. Then identify your pebbles. Those pebbles are things that are things that you need to be spending time on and these things are important but maybe not as important as the, the big rocks, right? So you've got to find that time and maybe sometimes there's not enough time. Maybe it's something that gets put in that schedule for later. And we'll talk about this when it comes to kind of project management in terms of addressing the big rock that's actually the project that's further out so that we can chip away at it. Didn't we all hear that from our parents in college, <laughs> high school, right? Get those projects done. Uh, how do you eat a big elephant one bite at a time? Um, so identify your pebbles and put those in and then identify your sand. You know, often your sand are the things that they're really not urgent but they're not important either. And we'll talk about this time management quadrant. How do I identify what are my big rocks versus those little things that might really be my sand or my water? Um, but the, the sand is usually things that distract you and take you away from your ability to focus and be productive on your big rocks and maybe your pebbles. It's the phone starts ringing or you hear that social media chime and you pick it up and it takes you away from the big project that you're focusing on. It takes discipline to avoid picking up that phone call or looking at that you know, pop-up of, hey, there's a new email there. I actually turned mine off, right? Um, so that I'm not distracted when I'm working on my big rocks, when it's time for writing a chapter or preparing for these lessons or whatever those big rocks are for you. And then, Step four is reflect on how you could reprioritize your to-do list. And quite honestly, I do this every quarter because my priorities change. When the book was written, I didn't have to focus on that anymore. So now I had this big rock space for the next initiative. And for you, it might be the next project, right? Once you finish that one project that's done, what, where's the next one? And sometimes you might be working on them at the same time and, and concurrently, if you will. You've gotta prioritize even your projects, right? The ones that are uh, due sooner definitely have to come first, but always chipping away at those longer term projects as well. We reprioritize and reorganize your to-do list to better take action on the big rocks that are big rocks today. 
And then, of course, you know, consider you know using the Eisenhower principle what we just talked about. Uh, I'm going to talk about that here in a moment, and it's something that really talks to and speaks to whether something's important or urgent. And, and how do we look at those things? So I'm gonna stop for a moment and see if there's any questions or anything that we can clarify at this point because we're gonna go into the Eisenhower Principle and it was actually made more uh, known in with, with Stephen Covey in terms of the uh, time management matrix. So we're gonna review that here in a moment, but I'll stop and see if there's any questions. I'm checking the chat, nothing's going on in there. Uh, yes, Stephanie. Well, I was just gonna it's not really a question it was more of a comment as you were talking I told this story there's actually a video too I don't know if if that's where you got it from but um I I took a, a course when I was in college and it was all about personal leadership mm -hmm. um and one of the things that we had to do and it was such a weird request and I don't know if anyone on this call has done it but it was uh write your own eulogy yes so look back on how you would want to, like what would you want said at your funeral and at first it seems like a really dark <laughs> dark thing to do but when you actually think about it it's really like insightful so as you were saying all these things about um your priorities and things like that i i thought of that so absolutely people don't know about it maybe that's something you might want to do yeah in fact the Stephen Covey principles have been around since the 80s and 90s and I was introduced to Stephen Covey in 1991 when he was really making his mark in the corporate sector and things of that nature um, and much to that it's writing your mission right your own personal mission statement that says you know what do I want people to say about me and I kind of take it to the next level in that you know I don't want to Yes, it's good to begin with the end in mind, but let me just go like three, you know, or one year out. What does one year from now want to look like? And I do a an exercise and I actually write a letter to myself. And I write the letter as if I'm here a year from now and what's just transpired all year. And I remember writing that letter and saying that the book had been published and I, and now mind you, this is a year before it even happened. And I'm writing these things out saying, this is what I accomplished. And I, I, I wrote the book and I did the book tour and blah, 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 blah. Imagine how exciting it was to fast forward that following year and then read that letter to myself. It's begin with the end in mind. Vision things, you know, expect them to happen. And then of course do the work it takes <laughs> to make them happen as well. And again, whether personally or professionally, um, achievements can be made. So thanks for that. So let's yeah. kind of talk a little bit about what is this Eisenhower principle that was really made uh, I think a little bit more famous than uh, Eisenhower himself. And, you know, like we said before, personal and professional, I'm a big believer in addressing both. Uh, if you've got a notepad in front of you, put a line right down the middle and on one side, you know, uh, put your personal and then on the other side, put your professional just to kind of get and start your thoughts going. This is definitely something you'll want to take a lot more time than we have, you know, in, in our hour today. Um, but what are your first things what are your big rocks I and mean, what are those big rocks in your career and your business what are your big rocks personally as well and write those things down and then what are your most important big rocks you know we can't do it all so I like to say you know maybe there's just a top three 
for all the roles that we play or all the functions that we do. And if there's anything that keeps you from putting these things first in your life, you've got to start to identify them. And we'll talk about busy work and the different time management quadrants here in a moment. So considering that role, you know, the, the Eisenhower matrix, again, you know, Eisenhower, the fourth, uh, 34th president of the United States, in case you're wondering, um, this was really popularized, like I said, in the seven habits of highly effective people. And it says that we live in a fourth quadrant generation of time, right? And what does that mean? It means that we're living in this area where things really aren't as important and we're just kind of going through the motions. And so when we look at time management, it's not just time, but it's self-management as well because we've got to be focusing on our priorities. And again, I always come from a framework of professional and personal as well because we are human and we do show up with all of ourselves um, in the workplace. So let's kind of dissect the matrix just a little bit. We'll start with the urgent versus important. Something is urgent when it requires immediate attention. It might be, you know, if you've got children, you know, Johnny who just, you know, scraped his knee uh, and is screaming <laughs> from the backyard. That just became pretty, pretty urgent. Um, these are the two do's that shout, you need to get done now. They're urgent tasks because maybe we've procrastinated. Uh, they put us in a reactive mode. Uh, they're marked by, you know, defensive, negative, hurried, harrowed. I always think about it as, you know, being a cat in a big tall bucket of water. <laughs> if you've ever, you know, worked with me long enough, you know, I get into that quadrant every once in a while and I've got to clear the space so that I can get back to quadrant two and we'll dissect that in a minute. But urgent stuff catches our attention and really pressures us to complete them in that moment. And the trap is that many of them, you know, they're easy or they're funny or they're popular or, but they're really unimportant with the exception of Johnny and his cut leg, of course, right? Important tasks are things that contribute to the long-term mission, vision, and goals. Urgent is, I've gotta do it now. Important says, when I deal with it today and over the long-term, that I can accomplish the goals. Uh, urgent activities demand our attention, but important ones, they're not screaming at us, but they need to get done to ensure that we reach the overall goal. But don't fool yourself. Important things left procrastinated sure become urgent. I'm sure we've all had that one project that is due and we keep putting it off and keep putting it off and saying, oh, I'll get time for that instead of chipping away. Now that important item that we could have taken our time being methodical about, done in you know the important sector or quadrant rather, suddenly becomes urgent because it's due tomorrow. Do you have a picture of the quadrant, Lisa? Because I've read the book mm -hmm. and I know for me being like a visual learner, it's actually really helpful to, to see it because it's a little complex as you read the book yeah, or it was for me. Absolutely. I guess my sharing might have stopped at some point. Let's see. Yeah, we can't see your, I don't know if you're presenting. Yep, sure am, and it hasn't been going. So uh, there you awesome. go. <laughs> okay. Well, this video just became a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for that. I appreciate you. Um, so here's that quadrant, the important versus urgent. So I apologize for that. 
And then of course, we also wanna take a look at what are some of those important things, right? Important are the first things. Uh, the activities that contribute, like I said, to your overall mission, vision, uh, things of that nature. So here's a better way to kind of look at the, the quadrants here. You've got important and urgent. Some of the things in here, like I mentioned, these are the crises. These are the emergencies that come up. These are the pressing problems that we might have put off and procrastinated on, like it says there, last minute preparations. You know, first, you've got to make sure that things are, 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 that are important are addressed first. And this is an example of a matter that you know should be done right now, but if we wait, again, it now becomes urgent. But remember, if it's given to you weeks before the deadline, it's important. The longer you wait towards that deadline, it just became urgent, putting you in a situation where you're a cat in a bucket of water. Um, and this is to point out how you know important matters really should be addressed before they become urgent to avoid the stress, the conflict, uh, and that hurried state that can exist in that quadrant. And then there's the not urgent, but important. This is the quadrant two. This is where we really want to be in our day-to-day, -day, in our personal and professional life. We want to be preparing and planning. We want to be preventing things before they get into a quadrant one situation. These are the things that, uh, you know, need clarification. These are the SOPs that create processes and procedures so that we have standards and we have process flow. These are all those things that in quadrant two are critically, critically important. So quadrant two also says you got to be working in a state of always planning so that again, you don't fall into a hurried state and going back into quadrant one where everything is a rush, rush, rush. Next, there's quadrant three. The third are matters that are, they're not important, but they are urgent. These might be interruptions. They might be the phone call that you choose to answer, that email notification that says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm urgent just by the sheer fact that it keeps popping up on your screen. These are pressing matters and some popular activities that we do, sometimes social media can be in there, um, but they really are, I like to always say, you know, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part, right? This is where that happens, right? You've got the situation where somebody has not planned, hasn't remained in that quadrant, you know, to, um, time management quadrant and throws off you because of the interruption and it forces you into that quadrant. But just for a moment, we don't want to ever stay in these quadrants. Um, and then finally, we want to take a look at quadrant four. Quadrant four clearly is, you know, where there's busy work, there's trivial activities, it may be some phone calls, it may be escape activities, and I just wanna sit in bed and just scroll through social media to get my mind off of everything. These are the busy work things, and this is likely the area where you might be able to better delegate so that you can be working on quadrant two activities. 
that preparation, that planning, prevention, and really ensuring that you're chipping away at those long-term important projects so that you can better address anything needed. Now, we're going to be in a state of all four quadrants at some point, but the ideal here is to work on preparation, planning, clarification, uh, you know, procedures and process, uh, continuous improvement processes because if you see that something is inefficient or ineffective we want to be able to address that and continuously improve our processes so that we can remain in this quadrant now I'm not gonna sit here and say I haven't been thrown into quadrant one or haven't stayed in quadrant four too long or quadrant three um, that's going to happen the the key here is remembering and scheduling yourself so that most of your big rocks, most of your time is spent in quadrant two through the big rocks prioritization model that we just talked about. So I'm gonna open it up a little bit. The quadrant is right there um, in front of you. We'll probably end here in about five minutes or so. I wanna go ahead and ask you guys a little bit about what your quadrant activities might do. And this might be a little bit telling. Now this actual session is a, a three and a half hour session that I kind of go through uh, with many of my clients. We're just going to kind of take a little snippet here um, for now. And I want to ask you on your poll everywhere, what quadrant do you at this point, and be honest with yourselves, right? Nobody's looking at who answered what I can't even see, but what, how do you feel right now in your day to day, whether it's personal or professional, right? Uh, how do you feel it in your day to day is the quadrant you most are finding yourself in typically. I know that I was chatting with a colleague of mine and uh, saying that I was feeling like that cat in a bucket of water. And I had to reassess, reprioritize, you know, clear, clear the desk, you know, reorganize and spent, you know, an hour or two simply on organizing, creating my task lists, looking at my big rocks that remain on my, on my wall here on my whiteboard and make sure that my calendar and my budget, right? My calendar and my finances were focused on those big rocks. I needed to recalibrate. And of course, sure enough, it's the end of the quarter, which is when it was gonna happen anyway. Um, but oftentimes we really do fall into these other quadrants. It's about taking note of that and then adjusting accordingly. So it looks like uh, so far, okay, we got some movement going on. We're trying to be quadrant two people, a little proactive and, and preventative. Um, sometimes we're a little bit all of them all of the time, <laughs> right? Um, so definitely a little mix. And we're, we are feeling, right? I think the majority feels like we're in crisis mode and, and pressing projects mode. So hopefully the big rocks, the gravel, the sand, and the water kind of helped you with maybe recalibrating your own calendar and your own priorities. Looking at your projects, looking at the due dates, maybe readjusting the project we're working on to the one that, although it's the funnest one to work on, might not be the one that's quadrant two right now, right? And chipping away at each of them and, and how we put those in our project management timeline is gonna be critical. So I encourage you to refocus on quadrant uh, two, 
proactive, preventative, really looking at those due dates, I hate the word deadlines, and making sure that your big rocks are in first. Looking at your gravel and saying, what are the tasks, right, that lead up to these big rock initiatives? And can some of the sand and water be delegated so that we can build those around us up if we have that structure in our areas, departments, or positions? So I'm gonna end here and encourage you in the next two weeks to do a few things. One, take a, if you're, you know, old school piece of paper, you know, kind of like I am sometimes, write down the things you do daily. What are the things, and even if it's a phone call or sending an email or creating a Canva post, what are those everyday, day-to-day -day things that you are working on? And this is going to help you kind of identify where you're spending your time. And then once you kind of have that, take a look at what things that you're doing, right? What task items are your quadrant or your big rock um, initiatives? What are the things that you're doing that lead to the attainment or the achievement of your big rocks? And if you look at that task list and you find that there's not too many of those task items that lead to my big rocks, you definitely want to cal recalibrate and take a look at those things. And in addition to that, if you're not a paper person and you wanna kind of use technology to help you with task management, there's a really cool app. If you know any others, by all means, put them in the chat and share, called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L.com, I believe, um, is something that I've used in my past to kind of look at the things that, you know what, I really don't like to do. Like, you know, accounting and QuickBooks, right? Canva posts and social media. What are all of those things that you do? And then what are the things that lead to your big rocks? And what are the things that you can get off your desk by delegating them so that you can spend more time in quadrant two? So uh, I will open it up for any questions when we come back in two weeks. We're really gonna talk a lot more about this. We're not done. This is you know four hours that I kind of squeezed into uh, a little bit of a segment here, but we're gonna talk a little bit about how do I increase the time in quadrant two? And some of those things have already been identified, uh, but your homework will actually give us some tools and some insight on what to do next as we kind of look at shrinking quadrant one uh, by sometimes procrastinating less, um, looking at quadrant three and saying, I need to delegate them or say no to them, right? Not, you know, even in my career as an HR director, if an employee showed up and had, you know, an emergency, obviously it was a real emergency, then yes, we stopped everything. We went into quadrant one for a while and, and we handled it. But if it wasn't a quadrant one and really was maybe something else that could be done later, then maybe I said, hey, I've got a block of time at two o'clock. Would you mind coming back at that time? Again, you've got to identify, is it really urgent? Is it really an emergency that needs now, now? Or is it something that you can kind of funnel into the, the proactive, preventative time that you've blocked with your big rocks? And then of course, slowing down or cutting down on quadrant floor, those slacker activities. And we'll identify the quadrants uh, by personas and personalities uh, in two weeks when we get back. But get that homework done. Let's start to identify our big rocks, 
our gravel and our sand and all of the tasks and all of the things that we do so that we can really start to streamline and focus on our big rocks and manage our day-to-day -day in quadrant two. The end. <laughs>